0: This is an honor. This is so fun. Um, so thanks for thanks for allowing me to be here. Thanks for opening your hearts to the Word of God uh, tonight as we get to to share together. So um, if you guys are anything like me, you have never once uh, read the driver's admin or like the driving ma Anybody read that thing ever once since you got your license? Yeah? We've got one reader. That's good. That's good. I've never once read it after I like passed my test, and now the, the high schoolers tell me, you don't even have to t- like do the, the written portion for your license anymore if you did it for your permit. It's crazy. It's getting crazy. Yeah, I know. big Big moves out here. So... And we wonder why all these sucky drivers are everywhere, right? But, uh, so I think sometimes we need a little bit of a reminder, right? So let's turn our attention to the screen here. This is not what you became ready for on a Sunday evening. This is not what you signed up for. Uh, but this is the one way. We'll start with an easy one. And the arrow actually tells us which way we need to drive. This is, which is tricky, I know, but if you've ever turned on one of these and seen a whole bunch of headlights instead of taillights and realized maybe I'm going the wrong direction, it's not exactly an optional sign, Uh, pretty mandatory. No swimming upstream. Uh, The next one, this is the speed limit, and for all the gamers out there, it's not like a high score that you're trying to beat right? I see you racing those uh, trailer speed trap signs, right? The ones they leave around and give you the number as you're driving by. There's an awesome sign on uh, Sunnyside over there kind of by Winko that I've heard flashes blue and red if you drive fast enough, or so I've heard. Um, (laughs) Instead of just giving you a number, it eventually just flashes red and blue, which is so insulting. Anyway, then this one here, this is the merge. If anyone has a zipper, great reminder of how that's supposed to work, right? But instead, for some reason, we all just like want to do the like three or four cards at a time because it's my turn. And then everyone's like, but it's my turn. It's just a mess, right? Just do everybody a favor, one at a time. Very simple. This next one should be just a dead giveaway. Okay? The stop sign. For me, sometimes it's a little bit of the like roll, slow down, look, make sure nobody's coming, and then go sign. But no, it's really it's got to be a, a stop, a stop sign. I'm pretty bad about that one. Don't tell my boss. Um, the final one, the final one. This one I think is actually kind of complicated because sometimes it's a stop sign. Sometimes you don't have to do anything. Sometimes you can just drive straight through it. Right, but the 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 reason why it's tricky and why it changes from situation to situation is because you don't have the right of way, right? That kind of that phrase that we use in, in driving. You don't have the right of way. You're yielding to someone else, which is easy to mess up. Uh, and I, I love it when you you roll up to a yield and there's somebody just sitting there, but no one is coming, right? And you're like, hey, that's you can go, you're good, you know, you just misunderstand it, or imagine with me the Hobby Lobby parking lot, okay, we all familiar, Hobby Lobby, what else is there, McGrath, yeah, Sierra's, Best Buy, okay, Uh, and when you're turning into that parking lot, I don't know why it just feels like the trickiest place on the planet, okay, but like, People pulling in, they have no stop or yield or anything. They have just like nothing. They have the right-of-way, and then there's all the people in the parking lot trying to get out. And it's just an epic disaster because nobody understands what's going on, myself usually included. But I like have done that where I like pull in and then all of a sudden there's people right in my face and behind me and I'm in the middle of the road freaking out. I'm I'm, I never said at the beginning of this that I was the world's greatest driver. But we forget in that moment who we're supposed to yield to or even better you've been in the car with a couple of friends you're driving somewhere and multiple people have maps pulled up but the old like one person's using google maps and one person's using apple maps or something silly and uh-oh there's fingers being pointed there's mayhem and then you're you're, you're, you're coming to an intersection one person's like go left and the other's like it's a right here and you're like this is the worst possible place I could have ever been is right here. And it's total pandemonium. Who do you listen to? Whose way is the way? And like, these are just goofy examples of an actual pretty real tension though in our lives where we got to figure out whose voice we're going to listen to, who gets the right of way and where we yield, right? And so with whom is the authority going to lie and when is it our job to submit? And even just kind of saying that word, I know brings up some like cringe. Some of us, feel the need to like cower when we when we hear words like that because those terms have been used against us or like as as harmful things. Or maybe you feel like the urge to stand up and patriotic assertion, right, of your of your rights to freedom and, and the fact that you answer to no one. But what I want to do this evening is dispel some of the like myths and inaccuracies that surround the biblical concepts of authority and submission and develop maybe a healthy, more healthy response to it in our lives. And whatever presuppositions you've got to that leading into tonight, man, maybe if we would just put those aside tonight and maybe even lay them before God and, and, and look to him for a better understanding, because here's our big idea tonight. It's just because we're free doesn't mean we're autonomous. Just because we're free doesn't mean we're autonomous. And so what do I what do I mean by that? Autonomous just means like having the freedom to act independently. And I don't wanna breeze past the fact that we are free because that is a very important, uh, important, important concept. We are free indeed, set free by King Jesus. Galatians 5 uh, verse one says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And in that context he's not even just talking about being physically free from any human establishment Paul means freedom in a couple of ways one being free from sin which is a big deal and connected really closely to that is freedom from having to earn your righteousness right free from having that burden freedom's a gift the fact that you wake up every morning and get to decide what underpants you want to put on and what you eat for breakfast or whether you're going to drive to work or do with your time that's all a distinct gift from God He didn't have to make it that way, right? But in love, he chose that. He made us able to choose ourselves. And even though we often use that freedom to put ourselves right back in to slavery and sin, he gives us a choice. And then through Jesus, sets us free by taking our penalty, the cost for our sin, and he sets us free from the wage that we've earned, which is death. But he also frees us from that burden of having to earn righteousness before god which is a weight that you can't ever bear for yourself so look freedom's a big deal freedom both in the, the the physical aspects of being able to choose what we do but also freedom from what is crippling penalties in our sin and the part that we don't often like to hear it doesn't always tickle our ears is that we're fo- like called then as followers of jesus to submit, And I know that's like a lame word, but we can't really dance around it all the time because it's, it's biblical. And to see just how biblical, I thought we might take a little trip down uh, Scripture Lane here this evening to see where, where it comes from. So uh, we're going to look first at Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the first words of the Bible tell us so much because in the beginning, God was already there. An important nod to the eternal nature of God. But if you're reading this for the first time, you would wonder who this God is. If you've read the book, then you know it, and he's what we call the the triune God, right? Three distinct persons, one essence, one entity. It's kind of like dividing by zero, right? Like our brains don't don't really understand how that works or what that means. They just kind of throw out like an, an error code But in the Godhead are three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And though they are equal, they have different roles, right? Say they're equal, but they have different roles. And this is important. God didn't walk the earth and die on the cross for our sins. Jesus did. And Jesus isn't the one who comes and lives inside of us when we profess faith. The Spirit does, and Moses didn't meet with the Spirit on Mount Sinai, maybe kind of, but he met with the Father, right? And they do different stuff, but importantly for this conversation, there's submission even within the Godhead. The Father sends Jesus. John, uh, 1 John 4.10 says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And in uh, Mark, Jesus submits to the Father. This is Mark 14. He says, uh, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, but not what I will, but what you will. The Spirit is sent by Jesus. This is in John chapter 15. Jesus is saying, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And these differences exist not because one is more powerful or better than the other, clearly the triune God, but they exist in perfect relationship and yet choose to yield in those different areas. So can we say that one person of the Trinity is superior to the other? No. But even within that, there's yielding, and that teaches us so much. If this concept exists in the very nature of who created everything, everything that we experience, then somewhere we fit into this story too, right? So where do we fit in? Well, for starters, we suck at this. (laughs) Like, man, humans suck at, at, at submitting to anything above us, right? God makes humans, and he makes them awesome, and the Bible says that he makes them in his image, that's why we have the things like knowledge and creativity and freedom, like I mentioned before. But in the garden, we see that first misuse of this freedom and our first, most defining resistance to submission to God. And the serpent comes to the woman and asks her about the command that God had given them not to eat from the one tree. She says, we can't, we can't eat it or we'll die. And here's the response from the serpent in Genesis 3, chapter, uh, verse 4. It says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And they took it and ate it. And rather than submit to God's good and, and perfect will in their life, they wanted to take matters into their own hands and be their own masters and their own rulers, defining good and evil for themselves. And hear me on this part. Every sin has been like that ever since. Right? Like at its core, our sin and our decisions are in some way or some fashion are like expression of being our being our own bosses, <laughs> being in charge of ourselves, doing what we want to do, defining what is good and evil for ourselves. Every sin has been like that since. It's us rejecting to submit to God and elevating ourselves far above our place, and if you just keep looking through Scripture, it keeps happening, right? In the nation of of Israel, humanity was a wreck, and in God's divine wisdom, he sets aside a nation of people who were supposed to follow him and be a blessing to the nations, but instead, they just continue to spiral, and God was supposed to be their king, but they couldn't really figure out how to make that work, so instead of that, then they want their own king, human king, So God gives them a king, but oh no, they can't really submit to him either. And the nation splits and on and on and on. God gives them prophets who are going to warn them and admonish them to turn back to God. But no, even with the very words of God to share to them, they can't submit to the words of the prophets either. They won't do it. And in the New Testament, Obviously, with the exception of Jesus, there's really no different. Think of all the stories of people coming to talk to Jesus, but just not understanding, not being able to submit themselves, who they are, what they have, et cetera, to follow Jesus. The rich young ruler who went away from his conversation with Jesus saddened because he knew he wasn't going to be able to submit to the degree that Jesus had said he'd need to. The disciples struggled with leaving everything behind to follow him. Or even the first century church, right? Like it's not hard to trace this all the way through and just see the letters that they had to write to the church because of the things that were flying off the handles. It's the real pandemic that we have to be our own masters. There's this quote, wicked quote here from from Charles Spurgeon. It says, a lack of submission is no new or rare fault in, man, in mankind. Ever since the fall, it has been the root of all sin. From the moment when our mother Eve stretched out her hand to pluck the forbidden, forbidden fruit and her husband joined her in setting up the human will against the divine, the sons of men have universally been guilty of a lack of conformity to the will of God. They choose their own way and will not submit their wills. They think their own thoughts and won't submit their understanding. They love earthly things and will not submit their affections. Man wants to be his own law and his own master. Man, it's, our, it's like our plague, always opposing God and his will for our life. And man, it's like its like rubbing against the grain or swimming upstream or like whatever, whatever simile or metaphor you want to use there, right? Like that's why this is so important. Just because we're free doesn't mean we're autonomous. We're called, actually, to submit to God, to yield, and to lay aside our, our preferences and our desires, right? In, in James, he's talking about man, how we act in sin out of impulse, not having what we want and basically we're trying to rule our own lives. And this is James 4, uh, verse 7 to submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you dumb minded Grieve, mourn, and wail, change your laughter to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And he's not just trying to be a downer, right? Like he's not he's not out to try and just make you sad, he's trying to make you humble. And that's really the key in all this. It's a, it's a shift in attitude, right, around who is actually in charge of my life. Humility is the key. See, the, the verse right before that says that God oppresses the proud but shows favor to the humble. And so if you if you want to continue going on living for yourself and operating on your own agenda, if I want to be the ruler of my own destiny, like that's fine. But I know that I'm going to be operating in opposition to the God who made the universe with his words. <laughs> so I can have fun with that. Man, what what I I guess what I'm hoping and and praying for is that we would consider what it would mean to yield That weird kind of complicated sign that sometimes means stop and sometimes means go. And ultimately what it means is that we don't have the right of way. We're not the ones in charge of that moment. Recognize our role as creation rather than creator. And we we have an incredible gift in the life that we've been living or the life that we've been given in Jesus, right? But our job is kind of to take that life and to, to lay it right back down in faithful, humble submission to God. He says, come near to God and he will, he will come near to you. And we tend to get that backwards a lot, right? Think how many times you've heard or maybe even said yourself, God, if you would just show me that you're here, then I'll follow you. See how that's backwards? Or I would believe in God if he would ever do something for me. All of these miss the point. When, when we come near to him, when we spend time with him, when we orient our lives around our love for him, that's where we find him the most. It's like if you were at the park, right, and, and, and your leg is bugging you or, you know, you had some kind of injury and you were like, well, I'd go to the doctor if he was here some, if I could see him you know i'd i'd go if he was here i would go and and see you know i would i would get it looked at but it, maybe if he made this water fountain work here then 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 maybe i'd go and you know whatever it's like man go to the doctor's office <laughs> like just go see the doctor like your your leg is broken what are you doing and 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 that's that's where we're going to find him and of course that analogy breaks down because god god's always with us but so often we hold him at arm's length while we try to rule our own lives and then we wonder why we don't feel close to him, (laughs) right? Like, isn't that kind of like a sad but accurate picture where we kind of hold him at bay while we make our own choices and and do the things that we so desperately wanna do and then go, man, why do I feel so distant from God? It's a sad picture. (laughs) So we yield and we, we, we put down our guard, right? And we run to him. And I, you know, what does that look like? It looks a little bit different probably for every person. What does that mean for me today, tomorrow, Tuesday, right? I think one important thing it means is to rethink your priorities. Like are the things that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords says are important, are those things the most important to you? Is that reflected in your schedule, in how you spend your time, in your actions, so what's most important to god most important to you or the second thing maybe we need to stop making our own rules <laughs> right like don't let your freedom be the rope that hangs you <laughs> right like god god gave us boundaries for a reason and man sometimes we we when we get mixed up trying to be our own boss the ruler of our own destiny man we get ourselves in really tricky places the third one, be consistent, because it's not a, re- a thing that really depends on who you're around or what you're doing or the situation that you're in. It's, it's, it's an all-the-time thing. It's an all-the-time thing. Um, this pastor that I like, this British guy, Alistair Begg, he says, what we really are before God is what we are before God when no one's looking. I was like, dang. <laughs> that 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 sometimes can cut deep well, who we really are before god is is who we are when no one is looking when there's no one to impress or n- no one to expect something out of you or whatever but just you and your love for him and your yielding to his will for your life so like we're we're not really if we're honest we're not any of us really great at running our own show. We're just not. We weren't made to be. So that's the tricky part. We were made to co-rule with God. But we have usurped some of his power and and in humility we need to give back God his rightful place on the throne in our life. Maybe that's as much as we have the power to do. That's all he's asking of us. So if if you've Never really engaged with this stuff before, or, or had a relationship. If like even thinking about having a relationship with God is a different way than you've thought about the world before. There is good news that, that that Jesus loves you, died for you, paid the penalty for your sin with His life, death, burial, and resurrection, and that's that's a that's for you. That's a gift for you, and that is a wildly, wildly different way to look. at and think about the universe than anything else. But I would encourage you, if you've never thought about those kinds of things, to, to ponder that tonight and know that the gift has been extended, the arm is reached, and God desperately wants to know you and have a relationship with you. And you can respond in that tonight whether it's with God or sometimes it's with other people or whatever, we have to learn to yield if we don't want to collide. And it starts with God, but then it plays itself out in all kinds of other things, person to person, right? And with the world around us, there's lots of things actually that, that in situations in our life where we don't have the right of way, but we don't, we're not gonna navigate any of those well if we don't understand that most importantly, we don't have the right-of-way when it comes to God and his design for our life if we're going to start doing anything it starts with submitting to God so I'm going to pray and then keep worshiping awesome okay let's pray God I just will repent and want to lay before you all of the times where I have thought that I know what's best or, or I should call the shots or even if I haven't said that outright, Lord, the times where I've acted like that and lived like that, Lord, we don't wanna, we don't wanna live that way. That's not, that's not what you desire. You have done so much for us, God. You deserve everything. Our whole life offered back to you as sacrifice. And so we just wanna say thank you. And the best way we could possibly say thank you is to do this, to yield, to submit, to allow you to be the rightful king of our life. So shape us, mold us. As we look to the image of your son, Jesus, who is the perfect example of this, God, would you help us to look more like him day by day? So we love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen.